Right, my message today I've titled Living by Faith and Not Control. And when I thought about that, the first thing that came to my mind was um, driving. Now, you know, I love driving and um, I've got to admit that uh, I feel I like it better when I'm behind the wheel. Now, this means that when Ian and I drive, sometimes he does like to drive, and, uh, and uh, you know, I have to struggle sometimes to not say, well, why aren't we going this way? Or um, maybe commenting on the speed, or not that I ever need to be commented about the speed, um, or even about, you know, maybe look that maybe this lane would be better to drive in now because there's no cars in this lane. And uh, Ian, you know, very kindly and patiently <laughs> says to me, you know, maybe we'll pull over and I'll let you drive. And uh, when he does that, he says to me, it's not because, you know, I actually trust your driving, and, but I'm probably a more relaxed passenger than you are. And so I, I was thinking about that, and it's so true. I've got to admit that I do like being in control of where we're going and how we're getting there. And uh, so it's sort of been an interesting journey. Actually, at times when we've done the marriage counselling course with people as they're preparing for marriage, and we've done that a lot, there's this time when you have to share an issue that you have, you know, and then go through this process of how to discuss that. And uh, one day we were in this and um, Ian raised this matter with me. And I said, we're not talking about this now. Anyway... When I, that was what came to my mind when I thought about this title. So think about it, though, in the analogy of life. Think about, do you like to be behind the wheel of your life? Or, or are you able to sit and let God have the controls? Our current series is the Genesis of Faith. And we're having a particular focus on Abraham. And as I was thinking about this, the um, question that came to my mind was, what if, if we're talking about the genesis of faith, then what is the origin of faith? Now, some people may think that it's up to us to generate faith, because we are consistently told, have faith in God. And so there's this sense that we have been called to action and we have to stir up faith so that we can trust but the truth is, it doesn't originate from us. We're not born with a natural ability to believe. In fact, if we try to muster up our own faith by our own willpower, we'll end up feeling discouraged. This is because we are not the source of faith. Faith comes from God. And by looking to Jesus, we're told in Hebrews 12:2 that he is the author and he is the perfecter of our faith. And I think faith really begins with, as I was contemplating this, faith really begins with knowing who God is. It would be impossible for us to have faith if it wasn't for who God is, particularly according to the definition in Hebrews 11.1. 1. What is faith? It is the confident assurance, look at these words that I've bolded, it is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us even though we cannot see it up ahead. How can we have confident assurance? How can we have certainty? I think the only way that we can have that is because of who God is. Because he is holy, 
because he is faithful, because he is love, and because he is truth, his undeniable character is the starting point, the genesis, the birthing place of faith. His character is the gift to us that enables us to activate faith. If we make our faith journey about our capacity and ability, we set ourselves up for failure because we rely then on our ability to control our circumstances. We think we can do it, but we put ourselves in a dangerous situation if we do. Because when I do this, when I act as if I should be the one controlling my circumstances, I end up relying on my own human experience, my own wisdom and effort to control my life because I'm trying to protect myself from failure and even discomfort. And when I do this, I end up spending a lot of mental and emotional effort trying to manage and and prepare for every possible scenario. Maybe that's why I inevitably overpack when I travel, every possible thing. Or I spend too much mental energy thinking through possible outcomes of events or conversations I need to have. And when I do that, my dominant focus is on my ability to control the situation rather than on who God is. And when I do that, I put myself in a very precarious position. Because as soon as things don't go according to plan, I'm put off balance. And then to make it worse, because I'm off balance, I'm trying to steady myself by taking matters into my own hands and trying to put things right. Well, right according to what I think the situation should be. Have you ever experienced that? Well, Abraham did. God had a plan for Abraham that was above and beyond what he could have asked or imagined. And God promised Abraham that his plan would be fulfilled. And all that Abraham needed to do to activate his faith was to trust God and follow his leading. Now, actually, Samuel talked to us about this last week. This plan was not only a plan for Abraham. But it includes all of us. As through Abraham, God was making a way whereby we, we would be heirs of the promise as well. If we trust God. All the promises made to Abraham were fulfilled in Christ. Remember, Samuel reminded us last, night, last week about being in Christ. And since you are in Christ, then you are an heir to all the promises God made to Abraham. Look at Galatians 3.29. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. We may be in awe of what God's plan was for Abraham, but we are included in it. It's incredible. And just like Abraham, God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us that is beyond what we can ask or imagine. And you know, even if you dream up great things for your life, even if you imagine this this incredible um, way that your life could go, his purpose and his plan are greater. That's because it's his purpose, 
and his plan, and he is greater. Not only that, he assures us, he promises us that his purpose will be fulfilled. Look at Psalm 138, verse 8. We have this promise that he is going to fulfill his purpose for me. So the question is not whether he will fulfill it or not. It's whether we will look to him so that faith can be birthed in us to trust him for the fulfillment of his purpose. I have to admit that I sometimes find this hard. Um, I don't know if you've ever done your strengths, but Gallup have this thing where you can do strengths finder, and my number one strength is achiever. Now, that means that I like to get things done. And so, you know, we're all different. We all have different strengths. I won't tell you what my bottom one is, but this is a thing that I like to get the plan put in place and then see it completed. And so when I was younger, I was very intense about, intent about the plan that God had for my life. And, uh, you know, I was, when I left school, um, I became a teacher and I loved teaching. That was a passion. I loved teaching. But in my middle, early 20s, I felt God called me to be a, a minister, a Salvation Army officer. And uh, it wasn't necessarily what I wanted, but God kept really stirring my spirit about this. And so that I agreed to that and, and went um, and, be, and was trained and ordained and was in the ministry for five years. Now, that was in my sort of late 20s. Now, the other desire that I had in my heart was that I would get married and that I would have a family. That was a deep desire of mine. And so as I went through my years, I could see that this was not happening. And uh, so I was thinking, you know, well, what am I going to do about this? And so I thought, instead of sort of thinking, well, God has this plan and whatever his plan will be the best, I started deciding, well, I can't see it happening, so I need to make another plan. So, all right, God, I'm not going to get married. So if I'm not married, I made this ultimatum to God. I said, if I'm not married by the time I'm 30, then I'm going to um, activate a plan to work internationally for the Salvation Army. So, you know, 28, 27, 28, 29, nothing. So I started activating this plan that I would you know, be able to work for the internationally in the Salvation Army. Who knows, one day I could have been the general of the Salvation Army. And so this plan, I set this whole plan in place in my mind to counteract the fact that I was disappointed that I hadn't yet been able to see. And I couldn't see that it was going to happen. You know, usually you're caught for a few years and then you decide to get married and so on. And, you know, 29, it was really gone for me. And then at 29 and three months, I met Ian. And three days later, he proposed. And I said, yes, because God really clearly said, he's the one you're going to marry. And eight months later, I was married. And so 29 and nine months, <laughs> praise God, uh, he came through with his plan. I'm sure Danny and Jess, you're happy about that. <laughs> because what, what, what would have happened if, it, if I didn't, if I'd gone on my plan? None of this would be here for us today. Not necessarily saying North Lakes, but our family and, and the influence. See, God had a plan for Abraham and God has a plan for our lives and it's just that. We've got to see it's his plan. The problem was that as it's easy to do and we can understand why Abraham would have done this, I'm sure, well, I do anyway. He took matters into his own hands, which messed with God's plan. 
And I think sometimes God has a plan for our lives, but we take matters into our own hands and it can mess with God's plan. And I came pretty close to messing with God's plan. But I'm glad that God broke through to me and showed me his plan, which is always the best. So for Abraham, time and time again, as he was on his journey, God kept confirming for him his promise to him. He said, I will protect you. I will reward you. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the heavens. And yet, despite these continual assurances, these continual promises, Abram and Sarai are concerned about their age. Can I understand that? They want to believe God, but the situation looks impossible. And you know, at this point in the story that I'm talking about, it's been over 10 years since God spoke to Abram and asked him to leave Ur and, and to travel to a new place where he's going to bless him with all of these descendants. He's 86 now. So Sarai, tired of waiting, decides to organise for God's promise to be fulfilled through her servant, Hagar. Here is the mistake. Because she is not feeling confident about who God is. She she focuses her faith not on the promise giver, but the promise. And as soon as it looked like the promise wasn't going to come to pass, then her faith diminishes and she's left with trying to do what she can to make the promise happen. So she tells Abram to sleep with Hagar instead of her. Abram listens and Abram and Hagar have a child together. This was not God's plan. The incredible thing about God there, just make as an aside, because this is not really part of the message today, but the incredible thing is that even although she stepped outside of what God's plan was and messed with it, God still, God's blessing was still on Hagar. God's blessing, he still poured out his blessing on them. Mind you, there was a consequence, a huge consequence, but God didn't, you know, he still is such a loving an incredibly gracious God that he showed his blessing to them. But by the time Abraham was nearly 100 years old, God says this is the time for the promise to be fulfilled. Now it's interesting that when God now reveals this to Abraham and Sarah, um, they'd given up hope and they actually laughed when they heard the news. I mean, after all, you know, they're close to 100. They're too old. There's no way. Their mistake there was that they were allowing their faith to be dictated to by their circumstances instead of allowing their faith to be birthed from the truth of who God is and the truth that nothing is impossible with God or for God. You see, faith is not based on the promise but on the character and nature of the promise giver. His faithfulness to those who are recipients of the promise and his ability to do what he says he will do. And of course, God comes through in this story and God will come through in my story and your story just as he promised. Abraham and Sarah not only have a baby, but that baby goes on to be the father of descendants too numerous to count. And of course, that included Jesus himself. God had an incredible plan for Abraham and Sarah. And while his plan was still accomplished despite Sarah's scheming, 
Her interference did cause much heartache and strife. Hagar gave birth to a child named Ishmael. And today the Middle East and the world are still struggling because of that shortcut. That's because, as Paul explains in Galatians 4.23, the son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfilment of God's plan. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfilment of his promise. You see, we can make a human attempt to bring about God's plan, and it will happen. But there will be consequences when we step outside of God's plan and we don't wait for what he has for us. We need to allow his spirit, the spirit of God, to work in us to fulfill the promise that God has for us. And it's because that we have this tendency to run ahead of God when we, don't, when we think like he's taking too long. We, we connive and we conspire and we hassle and hurry and faith birthed out of human effort will not bring about God's plan. Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And can I tell you, he doesn't need our interference to accomplish this. What he requires from us is our obedience and cooperation. But God has given us free will and allows us to storm ahead. And as a result of that, we will be impacted by the consequences of our choices. Because of Sarah's interference, God predicted tension between the offspring of Ishmael and Isaac. And we see that conflict is still evident today. So here's my challenge for us today. Let's not take matters into our own hands and interfere with God's plan. Let's not allow circumstances to dictate, to, sorry, to determine our faith. But really, let's allow our faith to be birthed from knowing who God is. That he is faithful. That he is able to do above and beyond what we can ask or imagine. So the question then comes, how do we trust God's plan? Particularly when we don't know what it is or when the circumstances suggest that it may not come to pass. Well, certainly I can say when you you walk it and you see God outwork his plan in your life, that helps to build trust. But there's three things I just want to really quickly look at this morning and I'm going to bring some promises around these because our job isn't to fit all the pieces together. That's not our job. It's simply to follow God's lead as he fits all the pieces together. Waiting isn't easy. It's hard for faith to be birthed when you cannot see the outcome, when the outcome seems an impossibility. So here are three practical things. Number one, remember this, God is all-powerful. Do you believe that God can do anything? Yes, he can. He's God. He is capable. He created this entire universe from the smallest speck to the hugest ocean. He created it through speaking through his word 
He is all-powerful. He is able. It doesn't matter how impossible your situation seems to you, it's never too big. It's never too hard for God. Never. Never. Faith begins with knowing that God is all-powerful. And if you know and believe that, then you have provided the perfect conditions for faith to be birthed in you. So you can trust God to fulfill his purpose for you as he, pro- as he has promised. Look at these four great truths. These are scriptures that you need to memorize or write down because we need to re- remind ourselves of truth all the time. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Job said, we know of his situation, I know that you can do all things. He's speaking to God. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. God says, I'm the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? God is all powerful. You need to remember that if you want faith to be birthed in you because of who God is. Secondly, believe that God truly cares for you. Now, it's never actually been an issue for me whether God can. I really believe he can. I believe he is able. My struggle at times has been whether he will. That's been my struggle. After all, it doesn't do me any good if God has the ability to come through but chooses not to. When you consider what scripture has to say, whatever your circumstances, you need to understand that this is something we shouldn't worry about because God doesn't just love us. His care for us goes beyond what we could possibly manoeuvre or or organise. He loves us in a way that supports us and provides for us beyond how we can imagine that. You see, we have a certain picture of what we think it is right and how things should fit together and how it all works. And when it doesn't, it's very challenging. And that's where we really need faith to be birthed in us, not because of our circumstances. They will not make sense of any of that, but only because of who God is, that he deeply loves us, that he truly cares for us. Look at what Jesus said. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. Not one sparrow. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You see, we're seeing here God is reminding us and saying to us, He cares for you so much. These very intricate little details that don't seem to matter much. He knows all of that. And he cares for you so deeply. Trust him. If you believe that about God, faith will be birthed within you, even in the midst of challenging circumstances. If that is how God clothes, Jesus goes on to say, the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. This, you know, grass grows and and dies and gets cast away. Then how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he care for you? So don't let your faith be small. See who God is. Let him birth faith in you because of who he is. And thirdly, consider the big picture. 
We know things don't always go the way we want. God told us this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. So we know that's going to happen. But then he goes on to say, take heart, because I have overcome the world. That means he's saying to us, step back and see the big picture. I mean, you think about the disciples at the cross on that day. When they were at the cross, at the foot of the cross, and they looked up and they saw Jesus, the state he was in, the loss of their loving saviour, their friend. Do you think that they saw that that was good? Do you think that they thought that was beautiful? And yet today we sing about how wonderful that is. We talk about how beautiful that is because it's changed our lives, because we stand back, we, we can stand back and see the big picture of what that all means. And so we think it's a wonderful thing because it's transformed our lives, it's changed us, it's given us hope of eternity, of a future with God forever. That is incredible. That is wonderful. And so sometimes when we're at the foot of our circumstances that don't look great, that are painful and sad, I'm not saying that you shouldn't experience any of that pain or sorrow or grief, but take a step back and look at the Saviour. Look at his plan for eternity and see him. And in that, faith will be birthed within you. You will, it, will, it will arise in you because of who God is and how great he is. And even although we don't understand, and that's okay, we do know who he is. And we do know that he is faithful. And we do know that he has the best plan for our lives. His plan is bigger than our immediate circumstances. And sometimes those circumstances are painful. But as we endure them, we get to see how amazing God is and what he has in store for us and others because of that. We may never know why we go through the things that we do, but God knows, and that should be enough because of who he is, because our faith is not in the promise, but the promise giver. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is great and mighty in power and his understanding has no limit. And he promises us that all things will work together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So choosing to live by faith rather than control will enable us to live life without being afraid because our faith is birthed in the knowledge of who God is. He is the source of our faith. And trusting God is a decision that will never fail us. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the light in the darkness. Stand and let's declare truth this morning. Let's stand. Let's declare the truth of who God is. And let faith arise in us this morning. Let faith be birthed in us. If you're going through a circumstance this morning then I, that you are finding difficult to trust God, and that's understandable, God understands that, then look at who He is. 
Fix your eyes on Him. Let the things grow dim in the light of His glory, His grace, His greatness, His power, His glory. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. We are not. And that's because He has provided us the way. I pray, God, that as we declare truth this morning, that it will arise in us that we will, as never before, take a hold of this and step into your plan more confidently with that assurance, with that certainty based on who you are. We thank you, God. We bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.